So we're continuing to edge closer to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be exploring how to identify or discern false prophet as we look at Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 15 through 20. If you would turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 7. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We live in a time where we are able to access the teachings of thousands of different teachers inside and outside of the Christian faith. It used to be that you had to show up at a particular place at a particular time to hear someone speak. If they were really famous, it's possible that you would hear them on the radio. And then the TV comes along, and then the internet, and then we have access to so much teaching. We couldn't possibly hear it or experience it all in ten lifetimes, much less over the course of our own lives. And we have continued access to showing up at a particular place at a particular time, like showing up on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at the Catanning Free Methodist Church. But we also have access to radio, television, blogs, articles, books, magazines, podcasts, YouTube videos, Vimeo videos, Twitch, TikTok, and live streams all dedicated to teaching us about the faith. But the truth of the matter is, not all of that is worth listening to. Some of it is taught to us by false teachers or false prophets, and one of the things that Jesus thought it was important to highlight for us in the Sermon on the Mount is to know when to spot a false prophet. So he spoke about it in the Sermon on the Mount. The term false prophet or false, or false teacher gets thrown around a lot in churches and in Christian circles. Many folks accuse others of being a false prophet because what they teach might not be in line doctrinally with what they believe. Sometimes all it takes is a single deviation from doctrine or theology to be accused of being a false teacher or a false prophet. And for others, it could take significant deviation to earn that title in somebody's eyes. The term false prophet or false teacher gets thrown around a lot. Particularly if you spend any time on social media and you pay attention to theological and, and doctrinal arguments, it gets thrown around along with the term heretic, a lot. 
and usually it's over minor quabbles or uh, not quabbles. That's not a word, I don't think. I think the word I was looking for was quibbles. Quabbles, just like licking split. Anyway, oftentimes over minor disagreements, uh, people throw out the word heretic or false teacher or false prophet. We don't always have a really great handle on how to identify a false prophet. Today we're going to explore that a little bit more fully from the scriptures. And we're going to begin that exploration by taking a look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. In this chapter, Paul is laying out instructions for Timothy, a young pastor. He's laying out instructions for Timothy to follow as he goes about doing his pastoral ministry. He lists things like what he should teach, how to use his gifts, importance of setting a good example, and practicing uh, the things that he's living his life to, not being a hypocrite, essentially. And he closes the chapter in verse 16 by saying, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And that's where we begin our discussion on identifying false prophets. Paul commands Timothy to pay attention to how he lives and to pay attention to what he teaches. For Paul, a good teacher will live a life of faithfulness, producing good fruit, and he's going to teach others sound doctrine. So we see that any discussion about identifying a false prophet begins with looking both at the life and the, the doctrine of the person that is doing the teaching. The fancy seminary words that get used for this are orthodoxy, meaning a right way of thinking, and orthopraxy, meaning a right way of living or right behavior. So in order to determine if we're dealing with a false prophet, we need to examine both what they teach and how they live. Those things go hand in hand. You can't pull them apart. You can't separate before we get into uh, bearing good fruit, um, let's take a look at the importance of teaching sound doctrine, or more specifically, teaching what is true. Let's go back to the Old Testament for a minute. In the Old Testament, the prophet was the mouthpiece of God to the people and to the king. They would see a vision, or they would hear a word from the Lord, and then they would share what God had commanded them to share. But there were those who held the office of prophet who would do so for selfish ambition, whether it was to accumulate power or wealth, whether it was for profit. They would seek to serve themselves with the office of prophet, not unlike what we see in some pulpits today. In the book of Jeremiah, the people of Judah had gone into Babylonian captivity. 
in chapters 27 through 29. You can read the story in greater depth when you have some time this week. But God tells Jeremiah that the people of Judah should live in and serve Babylon. And if they do so, they would live. Jeremiah delivers that message to the king, to the priests, and to the people as God had given it to him. But then there was a problem. There were false prophets that were telling the people that they would only be in exile for a short time. In fact, there was a prophet named Hananiah that was telling people that the Lord would deliver them from captivity within two years. Jeremiah and Hananiah go back and forth with various prophecies until we come to Jeremiah 28, verses 15 through 17. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am about to remove you from the face of this earth. This very year you are going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. In the seventh month of that same year, Hananiah the prophet died. Now, from this, we can glean that what is taught in God's name is really, really important. God cares deeply about the truth. And there is an expectation that the men and women who teach, preach, or prophesy in his name teach the truth, teach what is true. Hananiah preached a false reality in God's name, and he paid a very costly price for doing so. We see time and time again in the scriptures that God has a pretty low tolerance for those who teach in his name, but don't teach what he commands, who don't teach what is right or true. Now, I want to make a note that this isn't about a simple slip of the tongue or making a mistake. This isn't even about accidentally teaching something false. Anyone that I have ever known who has had the responsibility to preach or teach in front of someone has accidentally said the wrong thing, used a bad analogy or looked back on past sermons or studies and just can't believe what they had shared with others. Sometimes we say things looking back we realize we have made a mistake and I have fallen in this category more times than I would probably like to admit in public. But there have been times and places where I have said or taught something incorrect and I've learned from those experiences and as I have grown and learned more about who God is and have studied the Bible more uh, diligently, diligently and more closely I've learned okay this is not a thing I can teach anymore I have to, I have to teach it in, in this way now moving forward so I want you to understand that this isn't simply about accidentally getting it, getting it wrong this is much more about intentionally leading people astray, intentionally setting out to, to, to harm, intentionally 
knowing that things are one way, but teaching or preaching in a very different way. We're talking about intentional, malicious, and perpetually false teachings that aren't in line with the truth of God's word. And I'd also like to make another note. Just because you don't agree with a particular way a person or a teacher interprets a passage of scripture, that does not automatically qualify them as a false teacher. The Bible is a complicated book with many people coming to different conclusions about various passages. So for instance, as free Methodists, we believe in both believer's baptism and an infant baptism. However, other theologians, pastors, and denominations have arrived at different conclusions based on their study of the scripture. If a person teaches a believer only baptism, that doesn't make them automatically a false prophet or teacher. Not in the way that Jesus is talking about here. People from various traditions have come to different conclusions about things who take the scriptures very, very seriously. A false prophet is not someone who simply disagrees with us on a particular subject that is important to us. What they teach might be false, but there isn't a desire to mislead or to prey upon or otherwise harm or wound others as a wolf might. They may simply be mistaken about their conclusions while doing their honest best to both understand and teach others the word of God. We must be careful not to be too fast and loose with the title of false prophet, all the while understanding that there are those out there who are wolves interested only in devouring us, only interested in devouring the sheep. Which leads us into the next part of identifying a false prophet. In our text this morning, Jesus tells us that we'll be able to distinguish a false prophet from a true teacher or prophet by the fruit that we see in their lives. We see in the passage we looked at from Timothy and here in the the passage from Matthew that how a prophet or teacher lives is important. If we can look at their lives and their lives don't reflect kindness or love or joy or peace and their lives don't reflect in care or reflect care and concern for the poor or the marginalized if their lives don't demonstrate a love of God or a love for God and a love for neighbors then we can barely then we can be fairly certain that we are dealing with a false prophet You see, a person can believe in all of the right things, but have absolutely no love in their hearts. A person can believe all the right things, teach all the right things, but if their life is lacking fruit, if it is lacking basic human kindness and decency, if it's lacking the ability to feel compassion and act on that compassion, then you're dealing with a false prophet whose real goal is not the expansion of the kingdom of God. The real goal is the elevation of self over others. To use power 
and control to exhort or to exert authority over others. That was Hananiah's mistake. He wasn't speaking for God, nor was he interested in proclaiming what was true. He was only looking for the power that the office of prophet brought to him. Now, again, a word of warning. We aren't talking here about one moment of unkindness or a single moment of self-control. After all, everyone continues to learn and grow as the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. That's true of all of us, regardless of, of our office or our station, regardless of whether or not we are, again, a pastor or a teacher. We're all inclined to make mistakes along the way. What we are talking about is a consistent pattern of unkindness or being unloving. Every one of us has bad moments. Believe it or not, I've had bad moments. Every one of us goes through that. But what we need to be looking out for are the consistent patterns that we see in their lives. Just as a for instance, as a pastor or teacher, living a life of luxury while many of their congregants are struggling in poverty. If so, that's probably a pretty good indicator that something isn't right. And you might be dealing with a wolf who preys on others for their own selfish benefit. How a person lives their life matters, and it is particularly true of those who preach and teach and who claim to speak on God's behalf. This serves as a warning for us to pay attention to the fruit borne by those folks who are in spiritual authority over us. But it's also a warning for those who are in spiritual authority to make sure that their lives are consistent with what God's word teaches. Which brings me to our take-home point this morning. Our take-home point is this. Kingdom people identify false teachers through the evaluation of their doctrine and the fruit that is demonstrated their lives and our action point this morning consider the Christian content you consume are those that you are reading listening to or watching teaching the right things and are, are they bearing fruit good fruit in their lives now this isn't always easy to see. Sometimes those that appear to be righteous just aren't. And it may take us some time to figure it out or discover this. We've seen this countless times in different ways in the news. Pastors who have fallen from grace because they weren't who they claimed to be. Because ultimately their mission became about lifting themselves up instead of uplifting Jesus Christ. They chose to love themselves over loving God and loving people. 
So we all need to be diligent and on our guard. We need to pray for those who are entrusted with preaching and teaching so that they may honor God with the work that they do. And I would ask this morning that you specifically remember to pray for me. At the end of the day, all I want to do is stand here on a Sunday morning and point people to Jesus. It's my goal. At the end of the day, I suppose that's probably what my job description ultimately is, is pastor. It's one of what I want to do. I want to just point people to Jesus because that's, that's all I have. There's nothing magical about the office of pastor or teacher. All we have all we can really point to that's going to make a difference in somebody's life is Jesus. And that's what I want to do. I want to honor that, that calling. But sometimes, as I've said, I may misspeak. I may teach something a little off or incorrectly, not intentionally. But it happens. And so I would ask that you would pray for me. Pray that I would I would get it right. Pray that my that I would teach well, that I would teach what is true, but that I would also live rightly. That I would live in accordance with what the scriptures tell us about how we are to live. There may be times when I get it wrong and that I might need to walk in repentance. Sometimes I may say things that you disagree with or that you're not sure about. Sometimes you may be wrong. Sometimes I might be wrong. And so we pray for each other to walk in obedience, to walk in truth. And when we need to, we pray for one another to walk in repentance. So again, I ask you, please pray for me. Because I just want to honor Jesus. And I have to live up to the same scrutiny that I'm talking about this morning for other, for other prophets, for other teachers, for other pastors. We have to look at my life and go, is Jeremy teaching? what's doctrinally and theologically sound, and does his life bear out fruit? I hope that it does. But I also recognize that sometimes it might not. So pray. And I will pray for you. Because, one, it's in my job description. But most importantly, because I have a deep love and affection for you guys. And that prayer is born out of, of that. Because at the end of the day, we all really probably just want to honor God. We want to live rightly. We want to live according to what the scriptures tell us about how we should 
so as you pray for me, your pastor, I pray for you to also live doctrinally sound, to be doctrinally sound, and to live rightly. I'd like to close out with a prayer that I came across this week from Martin Luther, and it seems particularly relevant. It should be the prayer of all who teach and preach. Martin Luther prayed this. Lord God, thou hast appointed me in the church as bishop and pastor. Thou seest how unfit I am to attend to such a great and difficult office. And if it had not been for thy help, I would long since have ruined everything. Therefore I call upon thee. Of course, I want to put my mouth and heart to use. I shall teach the people, and I myself shall learn and shall meditate diligently on thy word. Use me as thy instrument. Only do not forsake me. For if I am alone, I shall easily destroy everything. Gosh, that didn't ring true to me this week as I was thinking through this. Again, I ask, pray for me, for sure. But there are many who are weighted with the responsibility of, of praying or of preaching and of teaching right here in our community and various churches, but all across our nation and all over the world, they have the weight upon them of preaching and teaching. And so those pastors that you listen to, those teachers that you listen to, Pray for them. Lift them before the Lord that they might live rightly and that they might teach rightly. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning thankful for your word. Thankful that you teach us how we can be mindful of those who would teach falsely. Father, help us to guard our hearts and our minds, to be mindful of of who we listen to, to look at the doctrine and the life of those who teach. Help us to be a people who pray diligently for those who teach. The burden is heavy. And if left to our own devices, we would perhaps screw it up very, very quickly. So, Father, we pray for the guidance of your Holy Spirit. We pray that we would be a people who pray. We pray this in and through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.